All right. So here we are. It is now April of 2021, and we are finally going to record episode two, season one of Mary Bigler Family History. And she's not the only Mary Bigler. We'll probably get around to that eventually. But Mary and I kind of tried to start this project back in January of 2017. So the first episode was recorded January of 2017. She and I actually both just listened to it. It's about 11 minutes long about her grandparents. And because it's been, um, you know, four years, we are going to talk a little bit about that history because it's so incredible to think about the changes that have happened from the early 1900s to 2021. It's almost uh, beyond our comprehension sometimes, and we have to go ahead and tell and preserve those stories. So uh, let's talk about Mary Beegler. Mary was born as Mary Shearer. She was born at home in 1933 to Nick and Mamie Shearer. She can correct me on anything she needs to correct me on. In the home, uh, I, I know exactly where this is, just a couple miles west of Timber Lake at the current Shear place. And she lived most of her life in Timber Lake. Uh, there was five years at Firestone, which Bigler. Bear, Bigler place now. Which which Bigler place? It, it, well, it would be a Bigler place now. Oh, currently. Okay, David's sure. So you were no, you were born you were born at David and Jackie. So the original, and there are some yeah. shears that live on that road, and then you go around the road, and and your son mm-hmm. lives there. So lived most of her life in Timberlake, five years in Firesteel, and was married to Alfred Bigler in September 1st, 1952, and had 13 children between July of 1953, Julie, and 1974, and that was Becky. That was a whole generation. She moved to Mobridge in 2017 uh, to continue her social life. mostly at I don't know what we call this place it's not even really assisted living it's just apartments where people hang out it's and called play cards. independent it's called independent apartment independent apartments right I didn't know the name of this so that's kind of like the very quick that's the the extreme abbreviated Mary Bigler biography so Mary let's go back let's not fully re live the past 11 minutes where we talked about your entire family but let's go through and just touch base on some of these things so before we got on the phone you were mentioning your dad came to timber lake which was established in 1910 in 1914 you mentioned he was born in 1896 this is nick shear and um the my, my favorite part about the first conversation we had is that when he he always knew what he wanted and when he saw your mother he knew he wanted to marry her and i wonder what their age difference was and it was quite a scandal right there was a scandal and they had to elope an entire hour away which is where you live now an entire 45 minutes away which is where you live now tell us about your parents a little and that and that scandal of elopement to mobridge okay uh well uh because my mom was engaged, they wanted to leave the community because she was engaged to someone else. And this someone else was actually the brother-in-law to her oldest sister. So it was pretty connected. And my grandparents really liked their son-in-law that my Aunt Rose had married. Mm. He was uh, Pat Warnermundy, and this was another Warnermundy, his brother Everett. And uh, so it was just easier to just, leave town I guess and my uncle Sam brought them to Mulbridge and got them on the ferry and then they I don't know how they got to the depot there must have been transportation somehow whether it was horse and buggy or what anyhow they got to the depot my I never had the courage to ask my mom about it because she never mentioned it 
And I noticed when she wrote their family history in the first history book Timberlake published, she wrote nothing hardly about herself. It was pretty much about dad and what he did and nothing about their marriage except maybe the date. When we were writing the book, the 75-year Timberlake history book, I was researching old uh, microfilms on topic news items because I was doing some other stories. And I ran across the news item where they had a little blurb in the paper that both the, the community was happy to welcome Mame and Nick Shear, newly married, new married Mamie Gormley, into the community where they had, you know, because they had been married in in the Minneapolis area. Mm. So, and it was kind of amazing, uh, you know, for me to read that. Well, that was 2009, almost 100 years later. Mm. <laughs> well, how did you fill so, in the gaps and find out that she was engaged to someone well, else? My- Dad, my dad would occasionally, he would mention some things. Like I said, he told us, so I was a little more comfortable asking him some things, even after after my mom died, you know. And he was good for a year or two there that I could talk to him. And uh, and then he told me how they all, all the relatives there thought my mom was Irish. And he didn't mention her, that she was Irish, because that wasn't a big it wasn't an issue with them. And after, see, they had to live with his parents for about three weeks mm-hmm. because she had to get her baptismal certificate from Iowa. Oh. And they did that. No, they were going to have to do all these things. So they, they lived with them in that, Minnesota, right? Because he was going lived, to school yeah, in Minnesota. And how did he end up in Timberlake, Mary? Like well, this, this guy comes to... gallivanting into town and, okay. and takes an engaged lady, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he was, yeah, I don't think they really, my his oldest brother, who homesteaded on what is uh, Perry Keller, where Perry Keller lives now, his, that's his great-great-grandfather, came out and homesteaded that land right outside of Timber Lake there. Mm-hmm. And his name was Clem Shear. And then another brother came, another older brother came, Sam Shear. And then... The third brother, Joe Shear, also came out to Timber Lake because there was more opportunity there. There was my my grandfather, Andrew Shear, had been a vegetable farmer outside of Minneapolis. Hmm. And that is how he raised his family. He took vegetables with a horse and cart into Minneapolis and sold them in different neighborhoods. Gosh, I, I, wonder, I, if my grandfather, a, wonder if he had a greenhouse. It doesn't sound like a very long growing season. No, I don't. No, I don't believe he did. They maybe started, I don't know if they even started things indoors. You know, just living was such a huge endeavor. Cutting wood, spading the garden probably. Maybe they had a horse-drawn plow. I don't know. He didn't have, he had a quarter of land, I know, and probably raised feed for his animals. And then this garden produce was really the main part of living expenses. Mm-hmm. My grandpa had a wonderful story because uh, he just had a very difficult life, and he lived with us eight years. I talked to him a lot. So, 
Yeah, wasn't he, wasn't your, I, didn't you, I I feel actually, I don't know if you want to go here, but I'm going to make a note about it to come back. So your grandfather lived with you eight years, but I was thinking that there was a priest that that you lived with as well, but that couldn't have been your grandfather. It would have been an uncle. No. Wasn't there a priest? The priest was a cousin. The priest was a cousin. He was my first cousin and he never, oh, he did live with my mom and dad when I was maybe a baby, but that's a whole story by itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. For another but, day. Yeah. I want to, yeah. Yeah. My dad were always, were, mom always took in kids, extra kids besides us. It seems like to, you know, some of them were workers on the farm. Some were family, some weren't, but that's a whole story. And I, well, there was only yeah. a couple of kids in your family, right? You and your sister. And what I'm well, hearing there from were you, five of us, oh, go ahead. Yeah, there were five of us girls. But my oldest sister died when she was seven, and that's kind of a story of my mom and dad's in itself because my mom had left to go to her father's funeral in Iowa. Her mother had already died here, and then Grandpa just couldn't he, – he just – when Grandma died, I think he wasn't that comfortable in Timberlake anymore. And some of the boys had already moved other places back to Iowa and eastern South Dakota, so he, he just went back to Iowa. Grandma died in 1921, and I think he probably went back to Iowa in about 22, 3. And uh, so I kind of forgot where so, I was yep, going So, yep, you were talking that. about your mother that's, going that's to ho- going to a funeral, but your dad. oldest sister died yeah. somehow. Oh, yeah. And my oldest sister, yeah. So when my mom went to Iowa to her father's funeral, by the time her daughter had had measles, hard mm-hmm. measles, she'd been. But she was... They thought she was all better. They thought, you know, she was over the measles and recovering. And when my mother got back home, she had already died. Mm. She had developed meningitis Mm. as a complication, I think, of the measles. And my oldest sister had died. She was seven years old. And she died in that time. So my mom only talked to me once about this, these big events. I think in that same year... I have to look at the dates. I have to go to the cemetery and look at those dates. I think that was 1927 when her dad died and when, uh, uh, oh, I can tell you exactly when he died. Yeah, he died. It was, it was Willamine. Willamine. Willamina, I guess. W-I-L-H-M-E-N-I-A. What I'm hearing from you is that you're kind of a daddy's girl, right? So tell me a little bit about your other sisters. Well, uh, and then that was okay. So he died in July of 27, and and uh, and Will and I died about the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think I have to look. I think my mom was pregnant at that time with another baby. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah, because Elaine was born in 24. And then I think Lucille, then their their third daughter was born in 27, mm-hmm. but she only lived six months. So she was, she was probably almost, I, I'll have to look at her birth date because she died in December. I know she died just before Christmas as a baby. And my mom just said she was always a weak baby. She didn't oh. have good color. She didn't have a strong cry. Oh, that's sad. That yeah. Today, so, today that know, would have been taken care it, of, right? I mean, we would have, yeah. we could have helped but any baby. Had two children. She had two children die and her father in the same year. Yeah. I, that, I think that would break you, right? And how old were you at that time? It, or were you born? I wasn't born. I wasn't mm. even born. Okay. I never, 
I didn't know either of those, saw either of those girls. No, I wasn't born until 33. Okay. And who, and who was left was in the there? There was, there was one more. Elaine there... was the, my sister Elaine. My, my sister Elaine was, so she was born in 24. And then my sister Jolie was born in 1930. So neither one of us were born when those older girls died. And you spent most of your life hanging out with Joni, I think. I feel like I remember some stories about you guys putting... Tell me about... There was... There's something with dresses. You somehow got... By the way, your parents kept trying to have a boy to help with the farm, but they kept having well, girls. And then you guys... really... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's something about getting some dresses and you guys dressing up the dog in dresses. I think that's you. Yeah, I, I did that. I did that. Because my mom was the youngest of her family, she had older nieces that, you know, when things started to pick up in the 40s, early 40s, those girls were out working girls. They were secretaries. They went to California. They, some of them started working in, I don't think any of them worked in the defense plants. They were always stenographers or secretaries. And, uh, you know, so they had more clothes and nicer clothes. And they probably tired of them or whatever. Maybe they changed sizes. I don't know. But we got boxes of clothes from them. I mean, I can remember huge boxes sitting on our enclosed porch. And that was kind of my playroom when it was warm enough. And yeah, and the dog was my, Joni was about three and a half years older than I. So after I was about, you know, seven, she didn't want to play dolls with me anymore. Well, there's another story about that. <laughs> And uh, I played a lot with the dog and the cats, and I would dress them. Well, I couldn't dress the cats up. I, I would just dress the dog up in clothes with me, and I'd have tea, Kool-Aid tea, and he'd drink out of one of the cups, and I'd drink <laughs> out of the same cup, probably. <laughs> but I'd set it on the floor. He ate crackers and Kool-Aid with me. Oh, they had Kool-Aid back, back then. then. Uh, they oh, yeah. Ha- oh, wow. Um the modern, the modern time. Some things never die. Uh, so the dog, I feel like, I feel like there was some story about someone coming in the yard and the dogs like running across the yard in a dress. Well, maybe it was it, a common occurrence. He was, really, he was a really good cattle dog. And generally he stayed in the house when he had a dress on because we were playing. And this one morning, uh, <laughs> I just played what I, I dressed him up when I wanted to. I never timed it with his chores. And our hired man was, had cleaned the barn and was letting the cows out. He was letting the cows out of the barn before he cleaned the barn. And so he was whistling for the dog, and my man, mom heard him whistling. So she just opened the door and said, come on, bus. So here comes bus out the door, and I remember yet it was a red ruffled George F. dress. That was a fancy dress. And he just came out the door and under the cow yard gate, and the cows took off just hell-bent for election. And Tony was just doubled over. The hired man just doubled over laughing. <laughs> what was the dog's name? Did you say Russ? Bus. 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 Okay. Oh. I think we inherited him from my Uncle Sam when he moved to town. Okay. Got it. Well, tell us the story about Joni not wanting to play dolls with you. These are the good stories. Okay. I can remember. Well, this is one occasion I can remember. And, you know, first I went and I paddled him. And I said, Mom, Joni won't play with me. And she said, Joni, go play with Mary. She said, I don't want to play dolls. And I, she said, just go play with her, you know, just leave me alone. <laughs> so here comes Joni to play dolls with me. And she picks up my doll. She said, oh, she's sick. She's puking all over. I can't stand this. 
<laughs> so of course that made me mad. And I said, Mom, Tony's playing dumb with my dolls. <laughs> and she said, Oh, grow up. <laughs> Tony got to go do something else. Oh, that was very creative of her. <laughs> very, very creative way to get around it. And I love that you remember that so well. We, we, we were really, we did have a wonderful relationship. Once I got in about the seventh or eighth grade, uh, by that time we had a pickup and a car, which was a big deal. And uh, must have been the forties. My dad and mom. Yeah, my this was in the 40s, 45, 46, 47, 8. My, she graduated in 48. And so it was probably like late 46 and 47. And uh, my parents liked to go to and play cards with different people. So we couldn't all go in one vehicle at that time. So I remember the first time. And uh, she, was, she wanted to have a birthday party down at the country club, the golf course. It was that old building that's still standing there with no windows or anything. Her birthday was May 6th. And so uh, the kids were all planning to come, you know, she, the, in her class and stuff. So she said to my dad beforehand, she said, well, can I take the pickup and go down there? And he says, well, I don't know. Well, if you take Mary, you can take the pickup. Hmm. So I was the accessory to the pickup <laughs> And so I said, well, I want to take somebody with me. And I believe I took Dolores Stoik, who I still correspond with today. She's living in Arizona. We are, we've been lifelong friends, practically. Mm. And uh, I, I'm not sure if Dolores went with me or not, but I know I went. Maybe I didn't. She didn't go. But uh, I was appalled because there was a lot of beer there. And several of the guys got way that it was cold it was also cold in the clubhouse Mm -hmm. and i don't know where they got it they there was a fireplace net if you look at that old building i think it's still standing Mm -hmm. and And how old were you and how old was Joni? i was probably Joni was a junior in high school so i was probably in the eighth grade i see why your dad wanted to send you yeah (laughs) he didn't know what was going on at that party at all i didn't either i don't know if Joni did but here these boys came with a lot of beer. They were pretty liquored up, and they came, a couple of them, actually. It, it was really the undoing of them. A couple of them never recovered from the alcoholism. They, they were alcoholics by the time they graduated, mm. and that was sad. But uh, then they built this fire in the fireplace, and they couldn't find any more wood, so they threw some old tires that were laying around there on it. Well, of course, you know how that stunk. We smelled like burnt rubber. Mm. It smoked up the clubhouse. They weren't very happy. I don't the know fire if they department knew come? did it. Or did they have a fire no, department? No, it was all in the it was all in the fireplace. Mm. But it just was a horrible smell with this burning rubber, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, you can still smell it. Our, <laughs> you can still our smell hair, it. our clothes. But and I mean, it was obvious these guys were pretty drunk, mm-hmm. and a couple of the girls kind of drank too much too. I don't. You know, I, there wasn't much of that among the girls, but there was some of it. But anyhow, mm-hmm. uh, I was just, I was just floored. Mm-hmm. And what was kind of strange, uh, that was such a, her, those upper classes were kind of rowdy and everything. And I'm not saying, but the guys in our class 
I, I, if they drink, they did it separate from when us girls were around. We did a lot of house parties. We did, we danced and made fudge and mm. and stuff. But uh, it was just a whole different scene. But we started that when we were in sixth grade. So we got used to different entertainment. And it was organized by parents, you know, kind of. It was usually in a home, so it was supervised. Mm-hmm. You mean, you mean we you, did you just say you started drinking when you were in sixth grade, when you would be at home playing, no, no, making I, fudge? No, no. No, we never drank. We okay. never drank anything. You just had parties no. with friends. Our, our, our parties were just, just wholesome parties. You made yeah. candy. Play dates. And we, we, somebody would either, Dolores Strike had a, they had a record player. Nobody else did, I don't think. Maybe Freddie Bellum did, too. And we would go to a house, you know, and, and the parents were usually off some place, you know, in this house. Or Dolores' parents were usually gone because they ran a restaurant. But she was babysitting her three younger kids, sisters and brothers, or brother and sisters. So, you know, she was responsible. And there, there was no drinking with our group as much. I'm sure the boys drank as they got older, but we didn't do it in that setting, you know. Right. Well, and maybe I was naive, but I don't know. I just never heard about it among the kids our age. Well, tell me about <laughs> school in Timberlake. How big was your class? I mean, you were born at home. You were raised there fully, I think, yeah. in maybe the same house. I don't know. Um, your parents, I, I think, yeah. homesteaded. So talk to me about the school. How big was your class? How big was the school? Was it this at the time of Catholic school? Um, yeah, what was what was um, school like at that time in well, basically the 40s, the 30s to- and 40s? Okay, only to two years of Catholic school, I think I went in, because I went in that, I started first grade when I was five, but I would, I turned six in December, but that was the law, you had to turn six before January 1st, and in hindsight, I struggled all through school, because, you know, a lot of kids were, had January, February birthdays, they were almost a year older, and, you know, they were just, uh they were probably smarter to begin with, too. I was kind of naive. I was pretty naive in a lot of the ways, but. You're a dreamer. <laughs> and my mom and was busy. She worked outside so much. She didn't have time to teach me my ABCs or to write my name. And so when I went to first grade, it was the last year the St. Joseph School was going to be open because they were closing because. They just barely made it through the Depression, but now it hit them bad. People hadn't donated money for years, and they had to close. Mm. I said they saw me, and they thought, no more of this. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, I had the first grade, but I learned absolutely zero in the first grade. I didn't learn. I didn't. I remember when I got to the second grade, for some reason, I could spell a little bit better. I don't know why then I could read, or I was always in the lowest reading class the lowest math class. There was quite a big class when I went. When I started first grade, we had, sister had three grades, first, second, and third. There were only nine students in the whole room. People were not sending their kids to Catholic school because they couldn't afford it. Mm. I wonder how much it was. And I don't know. And I think even then, it was kind of voluntary, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, so it closed in 1936, it in, 37, and then it reopened later. 39, 39. I went to school. Mm. I started first grade in 39. Oh, 1939. So, okay. So then I, I probably finished in 40 because I was five and 30. She was at five and 30. 
I, I turned six in December of 39, so I was still five. So, I, yeah, I went I to thought 39. We had you, I thought we As had you born in 1931. 40. You must have been born in 1933. No, nope, no, nope, nope. 33. 33. Thank you. My sister was born in 1930. Okay. My one just above me, Joni. Got it. Yeah, and I was about three and a half years younger. So that was grade school. Oh, so, yeah. And is there anything you remember about cool. going to Catholic school? And then how big was the high school in comparison? Or how, you know, how, and did you go to all this? You graduated, yeah. but I'd love to hear about what school was like yeah. as well. Well, uh, it was pretty good. I, I, I went to public school then till the eighth grade. And then the eighth grade, the St. Joseph's school opened again. And so I, I graduated from St. Joseph's from eighth grade. <clears throat> but there was... <clears throat> There was no longer a high school there. There had been a high school until uh, 1940, I think, or maybe, I think it was maybe 39, the high school closed, the Catholic high school closed. I can't remember exactly. I'd have to look in the history book. But anyhow, then, uh, and then high school, it was just really pretty relaxed. I would say when we started high school, we probably had... 35 kids in our class to begin with. I think 24 graduated. So that was pretty good. Yeah, that's about the size. It's actually about the same size or, yeah. is, or bigger than now, which is yeah. kind of interesting. And it was one of the bigger classes, mm-hmm. you know. And, so, uh, and kids didn't come. I mean, what were the other closest schools? Isabel had a school at this time. We're in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. Fire Steel. I don't know if this is when Fire Steel, which is a small town, well, there's nothing there now between Isabel and, and Timberlake. They, they had a school? grade school for, they mm-hmm. had a grade school for some time. They, cause I can remember, uh, uh, the Reinbold kids like Tony Reinbold mm-hmm. and uh, they lived where, uh, let's see, they would be the same age as my kids. And then our kids always went to Holy Cross through eighth grade mm-hmm. until it closed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they they did come to the Catholic school, but I think one year they transferred to Firestone. I can't remember for sure. The big handicap, everybody thought it was a big handicap because they couldn't play, participate in sports in the fifth and sixth grade from the Catholic school. Mm. And it wasn't that the public school wouldn't let them. It was that practice was during school time. Mm. And the sisters felt, no, they are here from, you know, 8.30 till 3, and they are supposed to be educated in that time. And we always had a music sister, and I mean, our parish benefits to this day, they had music every day of the week. Hmm. And uh, she had wonderful courses. Sometime we'll go on about the recitals she put on. There were, some of them were just amazing. Hmm. But uh, she would take a Broadway show and work those songs and have the kids sing. Mm. And then every once in a while she'd have a work a piano student in to play their little piano piece and stuff. She, 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 but she, she did train some excellent musicians. Marlene took lessons from them and both of the Keller girls, you know, they are really benefits benefited from that music education. Mm-hmm. So you graduated. It, but, I don't know if you played sports but, because. And you... then high school too. It was just very, it was just very simple. We were kind of, Looking back, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe we were a little clicky, but it wasn't planned clicky. Mm-hmm. We had about 13 girls. I, I know we had a picture taken, and it 
we weren't always all involved in the same things, but we had about 13 girls. So that was about half the class. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that, uh, we, we did share a lot of things and do a lot of things together. Mm-hmm. And we also worked with the class below us and the class ahead of us. So we had a big group of friends. So once, once the class ahead of us went to high school, it was kind of funny. They kind of acted like they didn't know us anymore. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> girls were more, the boys were not clicky, but the girls were. We still ice skated and stuff together. and Not the girls, though. I don't remember them doing any of that stuff after they were in high school, but we did. We, but we didn't ice skate. We didn't do that as much because then there was basketball games and stuff to go to. That was our social life. Mm-hmm. I wonder how old your mother was when she had her children. Because what I hear from you is she was kind of reserved you know and I that may have been the woman of that time but her you know she, she wasn't was she didn't share she wasn't a sharer she wasn't very open she was kind of closed and what I hear from you is that you were kind of like a little bit close to your dad or you're more comfortable talking to him about things well he he just did he usually opened up my mom I think my mom I just look back and I think she had so such big trauma in her young life mm-hmm. that I felt that affected her and I can remember like she talked to me once about my oldest sister dying and her dad dying at the you know, same time and then uh, she didn't know how so to talk about it she, right. there, and I said you know well, I, we think of all these people Mary Craft and I talked about a lot of people and we said there was no help nobody thought they have any kind of help for you when you went through a trauma traumatic thing Mm -hmm. and there was no counseling Mm -hmm. you just had to do it yeah and everyone has trauma but some people had much more trauma than others yeah i mean there's there's no overstating so my mom looked at that Mm -hmm. there was actually it was janet gill's parents their house burnt down they had three little children and her mom was in the barn milking her dad was out in the field and, you know, you didn't run out of the bar to check on kids every time you got one cow milked. And when she came out of the barn, the house was in total flames. And she lost three children? They lost everything they had in the house and three children. Oh, my gosh. Out and how place. in the name of heaven they got through that. And I mean, like, they, like I said, there was no help. There was no counseling. There was nothing. You just did it. Mm-hmm. However, the best you could. And they... They went on to have seven more children. Oh my gosh! And and they were very successful. Mm-hmm. But you know, Janet said she, her mom could never talk about it, and I think that was how they got through it. Oh yeah, bottled it, it wasn't, up, buried it, and then manifested it. Wasn't it. Yeah, yeah, and and then accidentally manifested it in their behaviors and actions in other ways. You know, whether Probably, because you, you couldn't help it. People would tell me about my mom. Other people would say to me, you know, like, oh, your mom is the most fun person. I thought, do they know who they're talking about? Mm. <laughs> and again, most of the moms were the disciplinarians because dads weren't at home. And there was never, ever a threat that wait till your father comes home. That wasn't even mentioned. It was done now. It's going to get taken care of now. Mm. Yeah. And, and so they really had to be. And they worked so hard. I said, with that dairy, they milked 42 cows by hand for years. Mm-hmm. I Three never times got a day? On the big... Two times a day? Three times twice, a day? Twice, twice a, a day. day. Morning and night. Christmas and Easter. Then the milk had to be cooled and bottled. 
and delivered. And they delivered milk every day of the year, house to house, Christmas, Thanksgiving. And the milk bottles had to be washed every day of the year. I felt my mom worked much harder than my dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, behind yeah. every behind every successful man is usually a a hard working woman putting uh, things I'm together. And I know that that's going to come out in our future conversations as you want to make yeah. sure we talk about that. But let's just m- recap this childhood. I mean, we could yeah. we could jump from a lot yeah. of places, and we will over time. I, I, I know you. I jump. I jump uh, over. I... That's okay. And I know your parents later moved to town in this lovely large house that's still in town. We don't have many old houses yeah. that are still in town. We can talk about that another yeah. time. I'll put it on my notes to talk about when your parents moved. But if you think about your childhood, are there any other stories that you would like to share or you feel are are relevant? You know, I just I, I just had a pretty easy childhood. I like I said when I was really young, I spent my time with the cats and the dogs. And after I grew a little older, my dad was always picking somebody somebody would help him deliver milk and then he'd bring them home for the day if their folks said they could come home and a lot of times they'd say, Yeah, get them out of town, take them home for the day and they'd get They'd get to help him. They'd get to drive the tractor to unload the manure after the barn was cleaned. Mm-hmm. They loved that. These were usually boys, you know. Mm-hmm. And but uh, so, so you my, didn't. You weren't extremely involved in the farming aspect. You didn't milk cows, but you maybe washed the bottles because your parents were were you know they provided the milk and the cream right to the townspeople and i don't know was there a lot of other dairies or was it your family there were a couple of smaller dairies i don't but i think you know dad was kind of the main dairy and he also delivered milk to the stores so if people ran out there was a store where they could go get a quarter or extra cream and that dairy business was kind of i i did milk cows when we were like 10 11 years old we had to milk cows but they quit the dairy in uh, 45, I believe, because the price of milk was frozen at 12 cents a quart during the war. Gosh. So there couldn't be inflation. And they never lifted that after the war. And he said, I can't make any money doing this. That's too. And bigger dairies, they were kind of coming out and sending milk to stores. It was pasteurized. And this, we always had raw milk, you know. And we had our cows checked for TV. But, uh, they continued to milk about 15 cows, and that, yeah, I did that because my Joni, my sister Joni and I and Mom would milk those cows, and then when Joni left, Mom and I would milk those cows to have cream to sell to the creameries, you know, mm-hmm. and that always provided pretty much grocery money and anything else we needed. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you just uh, mentioned... They just kept those milk cows about... You mentioned the price of milk freezing during the war, and World War II was 1939 to 1945. That was your first year in school, first grade yeah. was 1939. Do you remember yeah. anything? Do you remember any effect? You know, I feel like Timberlake, where we live, is very landlocked. It's very hard to get to. And at that time, it was much harder to get to. Um, literally taking a ferry to elope uh, in the neighboring town, which if you knew what it looked like today, people just run over there all the time. So do you yeah. remember anything about the war affecting your childhood? Is there any memories there? The, my first memory was this. In uh, 1941, in see Pearl Harbor was just December 7th. My mom got me a little tea set for Christmas. And when I opened it, I mean, it was from Santa, of course. And my dad said, Who, where was that made? And I looked, I said, made in Japan. He said, break them. 
so what did he bad. say? What did he say? Break them. Oh. He wanted us to break those dishes. Oh. And my mom said, no, Nick, this isn't about this. That isn't about this. Mm-hmm. This is just about a little a child set of dishes. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. My dad was very political, always. Mm-hmm. Well, I he mean, I feel like when, anytime you hear, we could be talking about the 1940s. We could be talking about biblical times. Literally, we have not yeah. advanced as human beings. <laughs> we're, we're very much the in same In many, people. many ways, war never settles anything. Mm. Never has. It's handled differently because in many, like you say, many centuries ago, the victors turned the, those they conquered into their slaves. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of 42, and or at the end of World War II, even when they were liberating the Germans, the German people and everything, you know, the GIs had candy bars and gum and stuff like that. They gave out freely, cigarettes, uh, all of that stuff all over Europe, I guess. And, you know, they were, they were viewed as liberators. That was, it's never been like that since. Mm-hmm. Uh did you have any other memories besides this tea set that your dad wanted to break right after Pearl Harbor? Another thing I remember was we did get comic books once in a while. And the comic books were really full of propaganda. Hmm. They were all printed. The, the Germans were all described as the stupid, stubborn Germans. Hmm. The Japanese were always described as those yellow, cowardly Japs hmm. because they would commit suicide rather than be... Uh, taken prisoner a lot of them, you know. And the, the comic, I didn't know this at the time. The comic books were tree telling, teaching us to hate. Mm. And we were kids. Yeah. And not much has changed again, has it? Now that's that. No, it, it's just worse now. Now it's television and, and uh, internet and, you know. You know, the interesting the thing peppermint. about you know, since we're kind of also recapping a little bit of the lineage here, I think that's interesting, the perception of the Germans, because I think of us, I think, I think of the people in Timberlake or the immigrants that came in the early 1900s as Germans. And they went first from in Germany, farming was not good. And so then they were promised better farming in Russia. And I believe Russia was not good. And then they came to Strasbourg, North Dakota, home of Lawrence Welk. And then some of those people came over to Timberlake. Am I getting that simplified version a bit correct? But really, I mean, did yeah. people did people still identify as German? I mean, you're not very far from the tree at that point. And so yeah, I just yeah. wonder what that kind of, what kind of discord. Mm. In World War II, it was not popular to be German. My grandfather lived with us most of that time mm. and he had gotten a German newspaper when he for some time but he did not get it any longer than it would have been but even both he and my dad my dad could read German they did not make the trip they were Germans from Germany they didn't go to Russia my dad's family mm-hmm. but I just was reading something very and I can't find it I tried to find it last night I just want to throw this in here Grandpa Beagler's mother who Grandpa knew hardly anything about her family contacted us in the 90s and he had relatives on his mother's he was under two when her she died almost two and you know uh i i want to i have quite a bit of information about her family that maybe hasn't been 
isn't out there for everybody, but I, I've been fortunate enough to that they have shared this with us. Mm-hmm. They looked us up, and so I did some work on it, but not much. I just kind of did a little of ours, and then I kind of didn't kind of got out of the mood, I guess. I No, it was just stress of the times. I just didn't want to do it anymore. But uh, it took one of hers. Her name was Sander. Sanders. And uh, it took one of their earliest immigrants from Germany 13 years to get to Russia. Hmm. It's not that it's far, but what people don't think about and this is off of our subject for the day, but that things happen. People died. People got sick. They ran out of money. The wagons would break. The ox would die. They had to stop and work and save and get more money to continue their trip. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and some of them had multiple things go on. Some of it made it in a couple of years. But, you know, we don't appreciate what they did for us to get us over here. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, and, and like my, my personal relatives weren't involved in that, but I really identify that through the Beagle family. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, yeah. I, I actually want to just make sure that this is clear. You mentioned that your grandfather lived with you during World War II. This would be Nick Shear's dad. Yeah. And he grew up in yeah. Minneapolis, well, in the Minnesota area. That's where Nick went to school. Yeah. And then he kind of, he was I guess he, he, he must have. Born. He was born in. He was born where? He was born in the United States. Even my grandpa was born in the United States, yeah. Okay. So, but Nick, yes. Nick was grew up in Minnesota and then came over, yeah. I believe, to Timberlake when he was maybe 20 or so um, yeah. because of yeah, homesteading. But... And that's where he picked up your mother, Mame. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Grant, his, his father... He homesteaded. Oh, he didn't. Okay. So his um, dad uh, that was in Minnesota must have needed to come over to Timberlake to live with you guys in his it maybe was, older years. Yeah, this was the circumstance. My grandpa had six boys, I believe, living boys. The girls had died in childhood, and one son died in childhood. And uh, he gave his farm to his youngest son when he got married. And it was, he just gave it to him. And the thing, the contingency was that they would take care of grandpa the rest mm-hmm. of his life. And I got to look up how old Uncle Andy was. He wasn't very old. And I think he died in in the 30s, the late 30s, 38 or 39. And he was the youngest of the family. So he wasn't very old. Mm. And uh, he died. And they had two young children, boys. And my dad told me this one night. But see, we spent time with dad when we were milking. And then we weren't occupied thinking about other things. And then he said, when... Uh, Andy died. We told Laura, you do not have to take care of our pa. You have two boys to raise. Mm. That's enough. So then they brought Grandpa out to Timber Lake. Mm. And he lived with his, with my Uncle Sam, who was the second oldest brother. Mm-hmm. Who had also moved there. Because yes. he, had, he had the biggest house because he lived in that house across from the church at that time, too. Oh, interesting. So there was room for him. And uh, uh, so he lived there. I got a lot of stories about that. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, and then in 1941, uh, Sam always used dynamite to uncover coal, you know, in the coal mine. And he, was, he had a pretty good operation going. I've just 
just read that history last night again. I've got a lot of that. I've got so much history. I just got to organize it. But anyhow, he would, he was, he always put a stick of dynamite down and then he used some kind of powder, explosive powder on top of that and then a long fuse. And he lit the fuse with his cigarette that morning and they think some of the embers must have fallen down in the hole and it just blew up immediately and he was killed. Mm. But that was his business well, then, to do some coal work. Like he was. Uh... That, that was what he was doing. Yeah. It was a very, and I just, I just read it again last night. And he, was, he must have been married with children to be in this big house, which we can talk Oh yeah, about. he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was older than my dad. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of their, well, their youngest daughter and I were about the same age and we were very, very close. So grandpa, but, um, so Sam died, your uncle, who yeah, was also yeah, living in Timberlake, yeah. um, on the coal mines with this situation. And then grandpa, yeah. I'm assuming mm-hmm. moved in with you because the same kind of situation. Happened. It was, it was probably uncle Sam was killed in November and it was probably not until the next summer that grandpa came out to live with us, mm-hmm. you know, but again, dad said, you know, and, and grandpa, he could visit about old times. He, I said to him, it was so totally different. He did not have Alzheimer's. He could dress himself, feed himself, take care of all his personal needs, piloting, whatever. But he was childish. He, would, he never knew our names. He would feed the chickens. And then 10 minutes later, he would say to my mom, maybe I should feed the chickens, you know. Hmm. But I think it was just that he hadn't kept his mind busy. He had retired fairly young. And, uh, but he probably didn't expect to live to be 88. Mm. So he died when he lived with you and he, uh, he, did... he, he wasn't living with us. He, he did start having little strokes and then he was in kind of a nursing home the last okay. three months of his life. And so we, we started talking about him because of the war and how your grandma yeah. lived with you during World War II. Yeah. And did he yeah. speak German? Was there anything else to bring up about, you know, he was the relevance? He was very fluent in German and, and he, English, and so was And how did so he feel dad. about the they war? Could... Grandpa, by the time he came to live with us, I don't think he knew there was a war. Mm. He, he had quit reading the newspapers. He could read English. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he had, he had before that, he had read newspapers. He had, you know, I don't know if he did when he was at Aunt Mary's house, uh, Uncle Sam's house, but he was. And my dad, too, my dad could read and write German and English, but he only went to the sixth grade. But in a way, he was better educated than I was, you know. He was very interested in the politics of the world and the country, and he... Right, it becomes you know, people's religion, doesn't it? He was a county commissioner. He was, he was just mm-hmm. interested. Mm-hmm. He knew that that, was, that had an effect on your life. That's mm-hmm. what he knew, mm-hmm. that how the... You know, the politics of the country affects your life. Mm-hmm. So, and Mary, so, we talked a bit about where this is kind of, you know, young Mary childhood um, section. Yeah, and I yeah. would like to do an offshoot on the old house on some, a couple other topics. And I've highlighted that for my notes. Is there anything else like young childhood wise that you like fun story or anything else that you can think of? I mean, it's been I think one of the takeaways here is that it's a tough life. Um, and then you're living out here in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, but you did have a lot of fun oh, yeah. with the dresses that showed you know, up and dressing up the dog. And people got together so much, Krista. There were never planned events. People, I mean, they, they'd maybe have a picnic Sundays and a lot of people would go to the park. We had, and there were several planned picnics at the park. Uh, 
Memorial Day was always a planned picnic at the park. The church would always have a planned picnic at the yard at the park in the summer. Uh, and in the winters, I know there were card parties. It was mostly for the adults, but the kids could go and and you know, I point there was no running around, but we had, we enjoyed it. We just we'd play Monopoly maybe. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember a whole lot of that. They tried to teach us to play more cards, which I never took up as a kid, but well, I did learn pinochle pretty good, but uh You know, you mentioned I have to I have to ask this last <laughs> question about about childhood. You mentioned the park. We have this state park that's here. Yeah. And when was mm-hmm. that there? Uh do you remember when that went in? I can't remember a time when it was not there. Hmm. Interesting. I I it was always there and it was fairly well maintained, you know. And we would just go down there and we'd climb that butte across the crypt and cross the crypt. And there was, I remember there was a big tree that crossed the crypt. A lot of times the crypt was almost dry, but if it was mm. watery, it was really, you know, and we were daring, we would do all stuff. And was there a beach? Uh, you know, my mom and dad were both, neither could swim, I guess. I don't know. And someone uh, a little older than my oldest sister had died in that dam. I mean, they were petrified that we not get near the water. Mm. Mm-hmm. I sat in a boat that was moored to the shore one time when I was in high school, and I thought, oh, my dad and mom would kill me if they knew I was mm-hmm. sitting in this boat that was tied up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll wrap there. We can always do another offshoot on childhood yeah. stuff. Let's yeah. move into in yeah. our next section. Maybe we'll move into high school and young adult life and marriage. So I'll wrap right okay. there. Yeah.